0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome back to worshiping together, the gathering of the saints. It is so precious and loved ones. What a privilege it is and joy to be here with you again. And before I start here, just want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving. Here we are, another Thanksgiving. Hope, Ottawa, and what a joy that is. We have so much to be thankful for, and I pray that your hearts are swelled with thanksgiving to our Lord Jesus Christ this weekend. Well, if you recall, the theme for our ministry year is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And that's going to be really key, because tonight we're opening up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And if you do not have a copy of God's word, put your hand up right now because our ushers are coming forward and we want to put a Bible in your lap. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And if you don't have a copy of the Bible at home, take that as a free gift from us to encourage you to continue to study God's word at home. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now why is it so crucial, loved ones, we have to lock this in as we launch into this new ministry here. Why is it so crucial that we understand that it is by the Spirit of God alone on whom we must depend? You'll see it on the screen right here. Write this down, let's lock it in, because this is the truth. The work of God is only accomplished by the power of God. You and I are utterly incapable of accomplishing any spiritual good apart from the power of God. The work of God is only accomplished by the power of God. And so this first series of the year, this kickoff series called Discovering Hope, is an x-ray of the church here at Hope Ottawa. And it is unpacking not only what the work is that God has entrusted to his church, but it also unpacks how. So it's got the what the mission is, but then how Christ commands that work to be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through us. So in case you are uh, new here tonight, so thankful that you're here, let's do a quick recap to bring you up to speed on where we're at in the series. All right, The first message we saw, uh, Jesus gave us one mission. And not just Hope Ottawa, but the church, Big C Church, the universal church has one mission and that by his spirit, we must make, say it. Disciples. There it is, love it. We must make disciples. Now that's gonna be a key term tonight. What are we talking about when we say disciples? Well, you'll see it on the screen. Here's, that, here's what that means. Um, one who progressively progressively, we never hit our discipleship ceiling and say, I've arrived. One who progressively learns the word of God, it is increasingly obedient to the lifestyle it requires. True disciples of Christ are not those just filled with head knowledge. It is actively being worked out by the power of the Holy Spirit and they are increasingly bearing fruit for his glory in their lives. All right? And so we saw that this is the mission of the church, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Now, the second thing we saw is this. If we're going to fulfill that mission faithfully, then Jesus has given his church one motive. What's the motive for our mission? And that is, by his spirit, we love. We love. That was last week. We are growing increasingly in a love for God above all, a total devotion, and a love for others, our neighbors as ourselves. And then from the overflow of that today brings us to today right here. That if we're going to fulfill this mission to make disciples, ready? Ready? Then by the Holy Spirit's power in us and through us, we must disciple purposefully. We must disciple purposefully. Purposefully, or another way of saying that is we must disciple intentionally. We have to be intentional with our discipleship. Why? Because you, here, here's the reality. Loved ones, ready? Eyes up. Because you and I just don't naturally drift into holiness. Try that sometime. You and I drift the other way. Our flesh will always take us away from an increasingly living out of God's word in our lives. We don't intentionally. We don't just, uh, sorry, naturally drift into holiness. We don't just naturally drift into an understanding of sound doctrine and obedience to the word of God. And this highlights the problem that we face, is that you and I can easily become apathetic towards and non intentional about making disciples. For us, as ourselves, individually growing as a disciple in making disciples in our homes. That's the whole point of marriage, make disciples. It's the whole point of parenting, make disciples. And we can get apathetic at that. Too busy, and we've got this going on, and to this, and now we've got this schedule all busy. We can become very apathetic and non-intentional. Even in the church, we can be so distracted with things. Are we being intentional and purposeful in making disciples and in other relationships around us in sharing the gospel? And what's the... Okay, we have to understand this. You say, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Why do we have to be purposeful in making disciples? Because here, look at the results of what happened when we don't. And you see it all over the place today across the land in the church. Here it is, spiritual immaturity. Spiritual immaturity. People not knowing what they're, You know, it's so tragic one of the latest stats, according to Barner Research, is that 85% of professing Christians don't even read their Bible every day. Are you kidding me? How are you going to stand firm? The spiritual immaturity is a result of a lack of intentional discipleship. Here's another one. Biblical illiteracy. So when you hear messages on YouTube and on the news and all this stuff, you're like, "Oh, that sounds good. I'll just drift over here." And oh, that person sounds really convincing. I'll just go over to that and I'll read that blog post and listen to that podcast. And you're not filtering because you don't have any foundation. There's a biblical illiteracy, and that is dangerous, loved ones. There's division in the church. There's doctrinal instability in the church. There's false teaching that's ravaging the church. Christians are more likely to be consumers than contributors in the church. Just feed me, just take, 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 instead of ever serving in the church. That's a result of a lack of intentional discipleship serving of self rather than serving the body. And pretty soon, pretty soon, you have a church that looks more like the world than it does like Christ, and it ultimately leads to its destruction. That's the impact of a lack of intentional discipleship because we don't drift there. And here's what we need to realize, loved ones, write this big idea, it's the big idea of our text, these six verses, and we're gonna unpack it. Jesus builds his church through intentional discipleship. What does that mean for us? We must be intentional with it. We must be intentional in making disciples. Jesus builds his church through intentional discipleship, and we must be intentional about it. And this is all in every single one of us who claims the name of Christ has a part in it, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here in the text, Jesus gives the blueprint for discipleship in the church. And we see two truths that we must live out increasingly in the power of the Spirit. If we are to be a church that is increasingly built up in Christ, no matter what is happening, Around us. You ready to go? Can't wait to get into this text, loved ones. Lord, do a great work among us. Amen. All right, let's stand to honor the authority of God's word, and we are going to read it loud and clear together. Kids, Bibles open. Love seeing that. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16. Here we go. Let's read it together, loved ones. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow So that it builds itself up in love. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Love this text, so clear, so good. Jesus builds his church through intentional discipleship. First thing we see is this we must equip for his work. We must equip for his work, and this is our preparation. We must equip for his work. This is our preparation. Hey, question. Jesus builds his church through his word. Here's a question facing you and I tonight. Ready? Will you receive his equipping? Are we going to be defensive with it? Nah, not for me, for someone else. Who are you to speak from God's word to me like that? Are we going to receive his equipping? Let's get our context. Context is key, and it is 60 A. D, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing from a Roman prison where he's been in prison for, guess what, preaching the gospel. And the church in Ephesus that he's writing to, Ephesus is modern-day Turkey. You'll see it there. So there's a map on the screen. There's Paul over in Rome, and then Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. Now, the church in Ephesus is in danger, Because the church is being plagued with false teachers. And Ephesus, as many churches today, was in imminent danger of division. Paul is writing to strongly encourage the church to unity. Unity of the faith, to be built up, to mature in Jesus Christ through the word of God, through receiving the instruction of the sound doctrine that is being taught, and then practically living out their faith by using the gifts that Christ has given each of them, appointed by the Holy Spirit. If I could sum up this section of Ephesians, um, Paul exhorts the church to purposeful discipleship. He's exhorting them to purposeful discipleship. Go back to the text, verses 11 and 12. Let's go. And he gave, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, Paul starts by telling the church that Jesus gave them spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders... They get a bad rap today, but the reality is they are a gift from Jesus Christ to his church. Faithful spiritual leaders are a gift from Jesus to lead his church. Faithful shepherds, elders who would instruct and care for, lay down their lives for, and lead them faithfully through the word of God, and people were to follow them as those leaders followed Jesus. And there's a lot of abuse of that out there today, and that is not condoning that. That is a heinous sin. But the reality is is that God gave faithful leaders to the church as a gift to love the flock and give their lives for them, as they are called to. Now, what were these leaders in the church? That Christ gave. Well, I'll look at the different roles there. Go back to the text. You see it in verse 12. It says, uh, or sorry, verse 11. And he gave the apostles. Who are the apostles? The term apostle means sent one, it means one who is sent. And specifically, who Paul's referring to here are the 12 apostles handpicked by Jesus and Paul. These were men who had seen the resurrected Christ, okay? These were men who had seen the resurrected Christ after he rose again. And they had three functions because there's a lot of confusion out there today um, about whole apostles and prophets, and does, do they still go on today, and what about all this? Let's, let's just look at God's word, let God's word speak here, and get clarity, it's very clear. They had three functions. Number one, they were to receive, write, and declare God's word to the church by the Holy Spirit. They were to receive the word of God, to write the word of God, and to declare the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, apostles were to lay the foundation or blueprint of the church. And we can see this happening all throughout the book of Acts. The apostles were to lay the foundation or the blueprint of the church. They were given what's called apostolic authority. And you say, do you have something to back that up? Yes, we do. Flip over the page, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. Don't take my word for it. Go to the text. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. Members of the household of God. What's the household of God? The church. Now look at 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Okay? With Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Okay? So the apostle's second function was to lay the foundation and the blueprint of the church. And as I said, we can see it going on all through the book of Acts. Thirdly, apostles were given to the church and their role was to confirm God's word to confirm God's word, to confirm the truth of the gospel through signs and wonders as the church, this is so key, as the church was breaking into the world. They were given the ability by Christ as the foundation of the church is being laid to have the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word confirmed by signs and wonders. And this is what it means for us today. We need to be so crystal clear from God's word. It is this. uh, This office is not present in the church today. The office of an apostle is not present in the church today. Apostle Bill or Apostle Jerry or Apostle... It doesn't exist in the church today. It has ceased. Scripture is very, very clear. And this is just a few verses we've looked at. Why? Why doesn't it exist? Well, just think about what we just saw from God's word. Because now we have the authority of the closed canon, the completed Bible. We have the authority of the Bible, which it gives us the blueprint of the church. And we do not need a person on their own authority or under some apostolic authority to provide the blueprint for the church because we've been given it and God has provided the authority of his word to tell us how the church should function. He's given us the blueprint of his word. And as the church got established, the role of the apostle ceased. Now you see a second role there. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, here's another one, the prophets. You hear a lot about this today as well. Um, Prophets, in our context, these are ones that, uh, these are men that were proclaiming divine revelation to the church. Now often when we when we think or hear the word prophet, we think of like Old Testament, right? Like thus saith the Lord. You know, we just finished a series on Elijah, and then there's Jonah and all these big prophets there, right? And minor prophets and major prophets, right? Now, why was God revealing his word to them? Well, here like that. Here's why. Because scripture was still being written. We didn't have the closed canon yet. And so there was divine revelation coming through the prophets. Now, here in you say, okay, that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? Yeah, great question. Glad you're asking. In the New Testament, the role that Paul is specifically speaking of here in the text, these were specially commissioned men in the early church who were commissioned to speak God's word to the church before, before the new testament was completed again before the new testament was completed and so sometimes here's some examples sometimes uh, these prophets spoke direct revelation from god god's word to the church as we see in acts chapter 11 okay we see that in acts chapter 11 sometimes that was direct revelation from god or here's another thing we see They spoke previously revealed revelation from scripture in the past. And we see that in Acts chapter 13. They quote the Old Testament. They they speak God's word from the former prophets. And so in essence, you could say this. In essence, there is still a prophetic voice, so to speak, when you get up and you herald God's word, but it doesn't make you a prophet, The role of the prophet that scripture describes is no longer present in the church today. And you say, why is that? Go back to our hermeneutic. Go back to biblical literacy. Look at this. The authority of the Bible that is sufficient, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We have now the closed canon, 66 books, And scripture is very clear. You can look in Deuteronomy 4, you can look at Deuteronomy 12, you can look at Proverbs 30, verse 6, and you can look at Revelation 22 if you like, and you will see the warning against adding any scripture or adding any words or taking words away from the closed canon. The role has ceased And you say, okay, I need some scripture to back that up. Glad you said that. Turn to Hebrews chapter one, flip your Bibles. Hebrews chapter one, verses one to two, and you'll see this, loved ones. Again, don't take my word for it. Go to the text. Look what it says. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, the writer of Hebrews says, spoke to our fathers by the, say it, by the prophets. He's long ago. He spoke by the prophets. Uh Uh-oh, look at verse two. But in these last days, that is from the advent of Christ until he comes back, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He's spoken to us by his son. Jesus Christ is the full revelation of God to the world. And beginning with Jesus' coming, his advent, He spoke. God spoke his final revelation through Jesus. Now, what does that mean for us today? It means this. If someone says, I get, I get kind of red flags when someone says this. God told me, This needs to happen. God told me, I need to do this, or you should be doing this. That should cause some red flags. For a number of reasons. But a mature Christian will hear that and say this, okay, can you show me where in here he said it? Because God has an unchanging nature. And he will never contradict his word, or he would be contradicting his nature. So, the first thing I say is, Can you show me where it is in here? And then, if it lines up, it's like, well, Why don't you just read God's word instead of putting the authority on yourself? You see? This is why 1 John 4 1, be so careful, be so careful in these last days, loved ones. This is why 1 John 4, 1 says we are to test the spirits. Test what you hear. I hope you can see right from God's word. That's where it's coming from. That's where it's coming from. This is where it's coming from. God will not contradict his word. Okay, thirdly, third leader. We got the apostles, we got the prophets. Here it is, the evangelists he gave. We see there in verse 11. Now this this role in the church is still active today. All right, and leaders in the early church—what Paul's speaking of here—they had specific gifting to proclaim the gospel, and they were used to plant churches. It's like you look at the book of Colossians, that was started, planted by a man named uh, Onesiphorus, I believe, and he went back to Colossae and just started proclaiming the gospel. All right, and churches got planted. He was an evangelist. And so they, these were men with special, yes, Onesiphorus, special gifting to do that. But now, as you see all throughout the New Testament, we are all called to this role too. We are called to be evangelists. We are called to go forth and make disciples, proclaiming the gospel to all creation. Okay, so we're all called to the role of an evangelist. Now, here's the fourth role. The shepherd teachers the shepherd teachers. Now, in the, you might look at that and you'd be like, no, 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 you got that wrong. It's like the shepherd and teacher. Just hold on before you say that. I want you to look at the little superscript number after teachers and go to the bottom of the page of your Bible. In the original Greek manuscript and construct, notice what it says? Or the shepherd teachers, shepherd teachers. What it's referring to there is one office. It's not shepherds and teachers, it's shepherd teachers, all right? And this, is, this role is still active in the church today. Now, who's Paul referring to here? Paul is referring to pastors. Paul is referring to elders who teach and shepherd and protect and lead the flock of God as under-shepherds to Jesus Christ. Now, let's get some clarity. You're like, well, wait a second. And I look around this room right now, and I see people in this church who have teaching gifts. Praise the Lord. And if you're shaking, there, being like, does that mean I need to be an elder? No, relax. <laughs> <laughs> nah, relax. Um, look at it this way. Not everyone who teaches is called to the office of an elder. But every elder is called to teach you got to think of it that way. It's a very helpful distinction. Not everyone who teaches is called to the office of an elder, but everyone who's an elder, who's called to be an elder, is called to teach. Just look at First Timothy 3. You'll see it right there. They need to be able to teach. And watch over the doctrine, the discipline, and the direction of the church. And I just want to stand here. I look at Kevin over here, and I just think of our elder meeting recently as a full board. Uh, this church... Loved ones uh, is gifted with elders that love and care for you deeply, and I just speak on behalf of our our elder board. Uh, there's something so beautiful when we have our full board meetings, and, and Kevin and I meet on Monday mornings early, uh, really early, um, and we meet there, and we just spend those first that first hour is just prayer and the word over you, praying for the flock. Just and those guys in Tim Hortons think we're crazy. I don't care. I don't care. Save them, Lord, huh? And so, so we love you, and we have given our lives to lay them down for you. And so please pray for us. And then what is the purpose of all these roles? Look at verse 12. The purpose of why Jesus has gifted his church with them. To see the saints who's a saint, every true Christian, to see every true disciple equipped. See that work there, circle it. Equipped for the work of ministry. The word equipped there in the Greek means this, to train or to prepare or make completely fit. To train, to prepare, or to make completely fit. To do what? The work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? the work given by Jesus to see his body, the church, built up and unified in him through both increasingly knowing and living out the truth of God through their service to one another in the church. Remember, he's writing to the church. Now, let's get some clarity on a couple things. You say, well, I don't know if I'm gifted in in a lot of these things. Does that mean that I, I just have no chance of knowing what my gifts are? No, no, no. These aren't the only roles in the church. These are leadership roles here. These aren't the only roles in the church. There's lots of different gifts to use. And If you're wondering, like, how do I identify what my gifts are? Go start here. Start here with these three texts. First Corinthians 12, First Peter 4, and Romans 12. Okay? Start there, in those three texts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4. And it gives a breakdown of what the spiritual gifts are. And we have a spiritual gifts inventory on our website, but don't go to that before you go to God's work. Okay? Don't do that. So, they aren't the only roles in the church, but what you also see here, the second thing, is that the work of ministry, verse 12... Go back to the text. The work of ministry, verse 12, is not just to be done by pastors, staff members, and leaders. And I make this clear. The work of ministry is not just to be done by pastors, staff members, or leaders, but by, notice, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But by every single Christ follower in the church, and I want to exhort you in this, loved ones, if you're part of this church, if you go to Hope Bible Church Ottawa, your home church, or you're here visiting and you're part of another church, just hear God's word for a moment. Jesus has assigned you works in that church. He's assigned you good works in that church to see it built up for his glory through your service in it, through my service in it. Don't believe me? Just... Flip over the page again. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, He gave, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He's given us to do in advance. Okay? Ephesians 2 10, it's right there. We are saved to serve, not simply consume. We are saved to serve, not simply consume. And coming out of the last three years, it's so easy to negate this and ultimately walk in disobedience to the Lord. It's like, I just want to stay online. It's just easier to not gather as the saints because I just get to be in my pajamas. You don't want me to preach in my pajamas. But it's so easy to become apathetic and think like that. It's so easy to say, just let someone else do it. They're the staff. I'm paying them. So I don't need to do this. That's wrong, love. Just hear the word of the Lord. Just hear the word of the Lord and do some business with him. See, loved ones, you'll see it on the screen. It is the word of God. This is where all intentional discipleship starts right here. It is the word of God that equips the people of God for the work of God. It is the word of God that equips the people of God for the work of God. This is the purpose right here. This is the purpose right now. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, with which you are being equipped for. Every time we open the word on a Saturday night in our worship services to equip you for the work of ministry... Preaching sound doctrine, preaching the gospel week in and week out. This is, this is why you're being equipped through your quiet times when you abide with the Lord and you open God's word. The Holy Spirit is equipping you to see the body of Christ built up using the gifts and abilities that he's given you, the time, the talent, the treasure. This is why small groups, oh my goodness, small group on Tuesday night, there's love small group on Tuesday night. It was like packed, it was packed, and Bibles were open, and the fervency of worship and prayer, it was just awesome. It was a glimpse of heaven. But this is why we do it, to see the saints equipped for the work of ministry. It's why we do men's and women's ministry. If you're not signed up for men's and women's yet, get signed up. There's equipping that's going on. This is why we have to do it at prayer nights, October 19th. Don't miss it. This is why I'm intentional in getting before the Lord and putting the preaching calendar before him for the year and asking, what do you want to say to the church a year in advance? This is why, because everything needs to go to how he wants to equip us for the work of me. He knows where we're at. He knows where we're headed and he's ready to equip us and we need him desperately. It's not just to know more stuff. That's not why we preach. That's not why we go in small groups. That's not why we do counseling and doctrine classes. It's not just to know more, but you will live it out more in the power of the Holy Spirit. But will you receive the equipping? Or be like, I don't need to hear that. I'm out. You're forfeiting it. See, Jesus builds the church through his word. Will you receive his equipping? And you say, how do I receive it? Right here. Teachability as you humble yourself under and obey God's word. Notice this. The text right here in Ephesians 4 presumes that there must be teachability in the saints if they are to be equipped just presumes teachability if you're going to be equipped. Right? When it's easy, when you hear a message that's like, oh yeah, I'm just like fired up, let's go, let's get it. Workplace on Monday morning, come on. But when it's hard, you're like, ouch. When the conviction comes, you're like, I don't want to do that. My flesh doesn't like that. It's not comfortable. When it calls you out of your comfort zone, when the word of God is unpopular, and you know you're going to be unpopular if you share your faith in that spot. In those moments, when it calls you to engage in the life of a church and step out and serve. So question, where do you need to humble yourself under the word? And just, I love this about our culture, just ditch the defensiveness. Where do you need to humble yourself under God's word right now? And receive the equipping. Hope Ottawa, I just want to say this. Uh, As your pastor, it is such a joy to see more and more of you receiving the equipping. It blesses my heart deeply. To see more and more of you receiving the equipping of God's word, not just being hearers, but doers of the word as you respond to it. Serving in hospitality. I just, I just love this. Like, go to pick, go to care for someone on the phone the other day. Oh, yeah, so and so. And these people have already brought six meals over. And you're like, what? I just love that. That's the that's the gospel at work through hospitality and seeing it in small group and teaching the word, seeing some of you trained up to teach the word, and praying the word now. Bible's open, giving counsel and receiving counsel from the word, not just your opinion. It's beautiful. That's why we do it, to equip. You see, Jesus builds his church through intentional discipleship, and we must equip for his work. And as the saints are equipped, here it is, ready, as the preparation continues, Christ builds his church through purposeful discipleship, as we last point today, grow in his image into maturation. Preparation received leads to maturation revealed. Say it again. Preparation received leads to maturation revealed. All right? Maturation, we grow in his image. Jesus builds the church as we mature in him. Question facing you and I, is maturity your priority? Is maturity Growing more into Christ today, more than yesterday, is that your priority? See, verses 13 to 16, Paul tells the Ephesian church the beautiful result that happens in the church as they are faithfully equipped in the Word of God. Look at this. So beautiful and they received it, and then they engage in the work of God, what happens? They grow in spiritual maturity and increasingly reflect the image of Jesus to each other and to the world. And we say four marks of maturity here. Write this down. Four marks of maturity. say, how do I know I'm growing in Christ? Here you go. Here's a good snapshot. Number one, in the church, the church that is growing in maturation, there is increasing unity in Jesus. There's increasing unity in Jesus. Look at verse 13 to equip the saints for the work of ministry, verse 12, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The Greek word for unity there means this, it's a God-produced oneness. Isn't that beautiful? A God-produced oneness. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every, just a God produced oneness, and agreement between believers. Now, specifically here in the text, here's what Paul's referring to. Unity and agreement of who Jesus is and what he's done through the gospel. The church that's growing in maturation in the truth of Christ believes that Jesus is fully God, that he is the son of God, that he came to earth, conceived by the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary, he came to earth as fully man. So he was fully God and fully man, two distinct natures at the same time. They believe he was not created, right? The maturing Christian knows Jesus was not created because it knows John 1.1 that says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God, right? The sound doctrine of Jesus who lived a perfect life for 33 years. He did not sin once, a sinless life. And he went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, which was taking on the wrath of God, all of God's hatred against sin in your place, in my place, to pay the penalty that we deserve, which is what? Ultimately, death and separation from God in hell for eternity. A living death where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a joke. And Jesus went to that cross and paid the penalty, and he died. He was crucified, buried for three days, and on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death for all time. And now, he offers forgiveness of sin and eternal life and peace with God and the atoning for our sin that we would be declared righteous. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, so that if we repent of our sin, turn from it, and confess him as Lord and Savior, God looks at you and I. He's looking through his perfect son as if we've never sinned. What? How awesome is our Savior That's the unity and agreement of the gospel that is the foundation where everything starts. If there is even one aspect of that, you're like, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. You are not in unity and agreement with the truth of Jesus Christ. You're just not. You can't be. Because this is the revelation of Christ, who he says he is. And when the Holy Spirit is working in the life of someone to open their eyes, he affirms the truth to them. The unity of the faith. The sound doctrine of the gospel. Also, verse 13, you see there, unity comes through the increasing knowledge of Christ, not just head knowledge, but the word knowledge there means actually sharing the life of Christ increasingly. As the Holy Spirit sanctifies us more into his image and we increasingly see the power of sin defeated in our lives by the Holy Spirit, we know Christ more, we share his life. By the power of the Spirit, we're growing in holiness as we abide in him, in the word, in prayer, and increasingly obey his word in his power. And you see this? Through it, here's what happens. Christ unifies our hearts even more. He deepens the unity of the church. The more like Christ we become by the power of the Spirit, the more unified we become through the Spirit. See that? Unity deepens. Because what? Sin is what divides us. Therefore, as we see increasingly the power of sin defeated, the maturity of Christ increasing, unity deepens. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You think the pursuit of holiness is worth it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is. In Christ's power for his glory. By his grace through faith in him alone. And he grows us to mature manhood. Look at the text. What's mature manhood? Complete Christ-likeness. Doctrinally, believe Christ, who he says he is, and then practically, as we increasingly live it out, in his power. And it says in verse 13, to the full stature and measure of him. I love that. And we won't get perfection on this side of heaven. We will never be perfectly like Christ. We will always sin on this side of eternity. Oh, but when we see Jesus face to face... And the power and presence of sin is removed for eternity. What a day. We shall be like him. Let that just fuel your thinking. That eternal perspective, loved ones. And as we are equipped and unified through sound doctrine and receive it and live it out by his power and service to one another, Christ's image is increasingly perfected in us because the power of sin is increasingly defeated in us. You see, isn't it it cool? Um, Serving in the church is not just about um, serving or impacting someone else. See why God calls us to serve in his church? Because this is the impact that it has on you when you serve, and me when I serve. It grows us more into the image of Christ. This is why he calls us to it. Christ-likeness. You can't get this anywhere else. God designed it this way. It's beautiful. Serving is not just about you. It's not just about the people you're serving. It's about both. I love that. Love that. And we increasingly see Christ's righteousness, his humility grow, his love for one another and love for God grow. Purity grow, mercy grow, kindness grow, compassion grow, faith grow, truth grow, wisdom grow, grace grow, forgiveness grow, service grow. Oh, beautiful. This is what unity leads to. You see it next. Maturation, four marks of maturity. Unity in Christ leads to stability in Jesus. Look at 14. We grow united in the faith into maturation in the image of Christ. Here, 14, so that, connector statement, we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, what we see right here is we must grow in maturity by the power of the Holy Spirit, so we are no longer children. The word for children there means infants. You know, I've seen a few infants here tonight. Beautiful, love them so much. But here's the thing, what he means by that immature in the faith, that we're no longer immature in the faith, infants who are easily deceived by false teaching and led astray. You know, kids, hey, kids, love you so much. All the kids all over this room love you. Here's the reality, though. Uh, hey, church, Um. you know little children, uh, they're precious, but they're gullible, aren't they? They're gullible, aren't they? They believe what someone says if it sounds convincing enough, don't they? They don't have the discernment yet, the maturity to know otherwise. So hear the warning of Paul. A warning of the Lord through Paul here in this text. Likewise, if we're not growing in maturity through the teaching and application of sound doctrine, we are tossed like a ship on the waves. That's the picture. You'll see it on here. That's the picture right there. Tossed, just back and forth. Hey, that sounds really good. And all that. Oh, I listened to this podcast and they said this. And I listened to this person. Oh, there's this Facebook page that's just devoted to all this heresy. And here we go. I'm just listening. And all of this. And it just sounds really convincing. Maybe I should give it a try. Infants. Deadly. The devil's not stupid. Immaturity. We're just tossed to and fro and carried off by anything that sounds convincing, anything that tickles our ears and says, you're the best. Any teaching that glorifies man over Jesus, you shouldn't be listening to. There's only one who slayed the giant, and it's not you or me. None of this slay your giant stuff. Come on. Jesus is the champion who took care of business. So even if teaching tickles the ears and feeds the flesh... It's popular in society, but it's ultimately false. And as we grow in knowledge and application of the word in our lives, we're increasingly able to stand firm on it and not be led astray because we're able to test the spirits of where that idea of teaching is coming from. First John 4, when you hear something, you're like, man, that's not right. Something's not right about that. We to talk about, no, that's when we have movie night with our children. So often it's like, okay, what's wrong with that? And we talk through that. There's a testing of the spirits so it doesn't seep in. A little leaven ruins the whole loaf. You know, have you signed up for the doctrine class yet? As Kevin said, we got like five spots left. This is is why we're running. The discipleship class, sorry, three spots left. Okay, three. All right, there, get on that after the service. Okay, after the service, three spots This is why we do it. That we're not tossed. All right, lastly is this. Sorry, second last. last, unity in Jesus. Maturation leads to stability in Jesus, which leads to, here it is, thirdly, witness for Jesus. The witness for Jesus. Look at verse 15. Rather, we're not getting tossed all around by false doctrine. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. What's the truth there? Truth means the truth of God's word. It means Speaking the truth to those who would distort it. Those who would twist it. In what they say and how they live their lives. Making excuses for it. Compromising to get their way. Yeah, I know it's not right, but... Yet doing this, speaking the truth of God, when we see that happen to say, you know what? Here's what God's word says. You should what? This is what we see. Is this, is this really the case? You want to go there? But we speak it, listen carefully. We do it with the love of Christ. We don't butcher someone with the truth. We're not called to be bullies with the truth. Remember, one motive, love. We do it with the love of Christ. And what does that mean? The Greek word here means speaking what and how God prefers into the life of one another. Love must be our motive. Because here's the truth. We're not called to bludgeon someone with the truth. And truth without love, I heard this recently, is so good. Truth without love is just brutality. Hey, you're sinning! Knock it off, man! Get after this! Stop. Truth without love is just brutality. But here's the thing, love without truth is just hypocrisy. Why? Because you and I, listen carefully, You and I do not truly love someone if we are not willing to speak the truth to them, especially the truth of God's word. If we're unwilling to do that, we love their opinion of us more than them. And notice this, this isn't just for pastors to correct sin and and false doctrine in the church. This is for the saints to do it. I can't be in every place all the time. Neither can Kevin. The saints are called to speak the truth in love because it's the loving thing to do. Because the act of speaking the truth and addressing with correction, loving correction, is not condemnation of that person. It's the restoration of that person. That's what all rebuke and correction is designed to do by God. Not condemnation, but restoration. There's ongoing sin in your life, and it's dividing your relationship with Christ. It's dividing your relationship with people in the church. Come back. Let me walk with you. Here's what God's word says. Here's what's going on in your life. Come back through repentance and faith, and let's walk together to see that restored. That's love. You willing to speak the truth in love? Are you willing? Each of us has a role. And I just wonder how much, how much gossip could be quenched and sin addressed and truth upheld and unity deepened and restored and stability secured and Christ's image shown if we would speak the truth in love to one another and not give in to the fear of man. It would be beautiful and lives would be changed. Lastly is this, four marks of maturation in Christ. Unity in Jesus, we receive the equipping, the preparation. Here's what leads to unity in Jesus, stability in Jesus, witness for Jesus, and lastly, worship of Jesus. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, look at this, makes the body grow, body grow, church grows, Jesus builds his church so that it builds itself up in, there's the motivation again, love. That it builds itself up in love. The word joined there means fit together as each person who's, each of us is a joint. You see right from here, each joint, that's you and I, all true followers of Christ, each joint works properly. That means submitting in full measure to the Holy Spirit and in cooperation. We're doing our part. We're doing our part so that the body builds itself up in love. That is serving how God prefers into the life of another. See, this is such a beautiful picture. We are to be connected together as each part is connected to the head, Christ. We're to be connected together. That's the church. We're not silos. We're one body connected together. And think about this. And just like the human body... Right? No part can survive without a vital connection to the rest of the body. If I lose my finger, it's going to rot. It can't survive without a vital connection to the rest of the body. And here's the reality too many people are just not connected, especially coming out of COVID just not connected. Not not a priority. You can't survive without the church. It was designed that way by God. You will not see God's will for your life without being connected to the church. He's designed it that way because we are the body of Christ. So this idea that we can just come here and sit in and slide out and see you next week, it's just not how God designed it and not what will lead to fruitfulness in your life. This is the church, what we are called to be. I love one commentator put it this way, said this. Look up here. He said, the church will be enriched in worship and mission when everyone is serving. That means when every joint is working properly. When members give and serve in various ministries, visit those in need, make meals for new parents, do life together, guess what happens? The body is edified. The body is blessed and built up. He finishes by saying this. Every member should grow up and use a towel and not wear a bib. It's time to take the bibs off. Every member should grow up and use a towel. Whose feet do I get to wash today? That's the church that's the church. Fight against it all you want. That's God's design for the church. That's what we are called to be in his power. And you may say, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? Well, you just see on the screen here, you'll just see a list. Here's a starting point. It's not everything. It's a starting point. Welcome ministry. Hope kids ministry. Hope youth. setup, up. Teardown. Production. Worship. Administration. Website. All of that, all of this. And and you say, wait a second, I don't don't know where my gifts are. I don't know this. Here's the key to all of this. Ready? Be humble and try something. Just get in the game. Let's get the joint working. And see what God does. And kids, this goes for you too. I love seeing you serve in this church. There's There's a youth working the slides right now. There was youth that were setting up the signs tonight. And there's youth working in Hope Kids tonight. The joints are working. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. This is our hour that God's entrusted us. And I want to give some clarity. We are called to serve outside the church too, right? But not at the cost of serving in the church to see it built up as each person does their part. Be humble and try something. And it's such a blessing to see this in action. in many of you, thank you, thank you, loved ones. Jesus builds the church as we mature in him. Hey, question, is maturity your priority? He's given the path to maturity. Is it your priority, loved one? He builds a church through purposeful discipleship. It's equipped for his work and grows in his image. What part is Christ calling you to take on right now? Where's the joint out of alignment? Loved ones, this is what Jesus intends for his church and how it is to function and what he promises to bless and build for his glory. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get after it. But before we move forward on this,